Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in the Broncos podcast presented by Bet Online. I'm Chris Braden. With Orlando Franklin along the side. Orlando, let's not bury the lead. Rough Monday night. Rough opener for Hackett. Wilson coming to town. Broncos lose in Seattle. 17-16. They say it's a heartbreaker. It wasn't a heartbreaker for me. It was frustrating. It was yeah. Frustrating to watch the whole game from start to finish. So what's your take on uh, the game last night? <laughs> Yeah, frustration is not a word, Chris. Um, honestly, you know, it, it, you know, you look at it. You look at, of course, of a game, and you understand that there's always going to be things that you try to script up, and you try to make them perfect, and you 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 try to make them as perfect as it could be. And right. I, I have two issues with with this that lead into more issues. Two issues with this game. Um, the fact that you're on the one yard line twice, mm-hmm. you know, I, I get it. Both running backs, they cough it up. They put the ball on the ground. They, they fumble it. You know, they can't put the ball on the ground in crucial moments like this. But Nathaniel Hackett, come on, you, you've been around football all your life. You're on the one yard line. If there is any possibility of running the football, if you are thinking that you might get to a run, you have to be with the quarterback under center in a situation like that. You cannot oh, yeah. be in shotgun in that situation. You have to give these running backs an opportunity to come downhill. You have to give them the opportunity to visualize the whole thing, see all 11 players for Seattle, and to find a crease. That's what the goal line is all about, finding a crease and hitting it. When you go in shotgun, what you do is you make that running back go laterally and you make him turn his shoulders to the sidelines, which takes away power. When you're coming downhill, you're allowed to generate power. When you're underneath the center, the quarterback is coming back. The running back is straight downhill right now, and he's able to see all 11 defenders on the defense. When you go in shotgun, you have the running back standing on the side, He's able to see all 11, but his first step now becomes a lateral step and he's looking to the sideline. You just cut off his vision for half of that defense mm-hmm. where now we can see half the players where now he's trying to make a play. Now I know. Now, but Orlando, you know, they had the possibility of, of throwing the ball. And yeah. on the second fumble, it was a throw that got audibled into a pat. It was a throw that got audibled into a run, and Graham Glasgow didn't hear it. I get it, right? I watched the post game. I hear what guys come up with, and they are valid reasons, 100%. But how about this? Nathaniel Hackett, how about you prepare your guys better? Because mm-hmm. Seattle, I've been telling people, Seattle's the loudest place in the world to communicate. I've been telling people for the last two months that I've never had communication issues playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. Where in Seattle, you have communication issues. And that came very evident last night when the Broncos were at the line of scrimmage. And it seemed like they were in duress every single time where the play clock was dwindling down. 
multiple delay game penalties because the plays are not coming in faster because you're not able to communicate at the huddle. You're not able to communicate on the line of scrimmage. How about just knowing that and preparing and understanding that you cannot call two plays in the huddle in a situation like that. You've got to call your best play and you've got to let these guys go downhill and go earn their keep in a situation like that. When you're sitting at the line of scrimmage trying to audible from pass to run in the end zone, be out as part of the stadium, it makes absolutely no sense. So for me, that's frustrating. That's something that I cannot stomach. That's something that had me tossing and turning all last night. And the second thing for me, Chris, is it's fourth and five under a minute. You got a $50 million a year man. You don't Mm -hmm. take the ball out of his hands. You're coming back in a situation. I get it. That was the plan based on McManus. And McManus had plenty of leg. I totally get it, Chris. But you just paid Russell Wilson almost $50 million a year to be the quarterback for the Broncos for the next five years. That's his team. You call that timeout. I love love what they did before kicking the field goal. You call the timeout when you lined up at the line of scrimmage. You saw if it was a cover two shell or if it was middle of the field close and they were in a cover three look. And now you call your best play. You spread it out. You put Albert O, you put you put Andrew Beck out there, you put Jerry Judy, KJ Hammer, Cortland Sutton, you spread it out, you go empty, and you make Russell Wilson go earn his fifty million dollars a year in a situation that you don't take the ball out of his hands. So everything else, in my opinion, is correctable. You know, the, 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 the penalties, the, the, the pre-snap penalties, the seven penalties on defense, the fact that the defense was kind of non-existent, the fact that Seattle did a punt till the fourth quarter. I could live with all that. I could live with every single thing. I could live with guys trying to make highlight tapes and get an unnecessary roughness. Randy Gregory, Bradley Chubb, get an unnecessary roughness calls. I could live with all these things. I could live with the fact that the play call wasn't coming in as early as possible because this is Nathaniel Hackett's first time doing it at the ground level on the sure. field, right? I can live with all those things. But when, it's, when you're on the goal line, you, you get on the center and you give the running backs an opportunity to see that whole defense. And when there's 45 seconds left and you need five yards and five yards, it's going to make it that much easier of a field goal. You, you go do that. Here's my issue as well. There's been two kickers to make 64-yard field goals. Two kickers, right? There, there's a reason why that's the record, right? Yeah. So Brandon McMahon is also um, – I forgot, I forgot his statistical average, but he's not automatic from 60. It's like one for eight from 60 yeah. plus. So it's like 12 point something percent. Sure. Right? Teams, how about the fact that on fourth and five, the NFL last year, teams were 49% on fourth and five. That's, uh, that's a better percentage in a situation sure. like that. You got all the timeouts in the world in that situation. And I just feel like, I'm going to be an anal- I'm not big into analytics, but in that situation, I'm going to go with the more percentage. Or how about in that situation, I'm just going to go with the guy that give him the opportunity to go take the air out of 80,000 people in a mm-hmm. messed up breakup where Seattle has created the narrative where let him go get the opportunity to be the hero in a situation like that. Let him win. It was perfect, right? Yeah, man. It was. It's just frustrating. You know, I, I don't know about you. I slept about four hours last night, just tossing and turning. It wasn't for a lack of not trying to go to sleep. Man, right. I try to go to bed around 10 o'clock every single night. 
and I just could not get to bed. So it's a frustrating game at, day after. It's interesting, but I, I thought it just mishandled those two situations. Well, three, because you ran the ball twice at the one. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews, news for every single league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Looking at Russell Wilson, like he had a good night, 29 for or twenty-nine for 42, 340 yards, one touchdown, no picks. For the first time in a long time, you look at that stat line and you're like, holy cow, we have a quarterback. Look no. at that. Yeah, that was the most excited thing that came out of last night, right? The fact that we know we have a quarterback, the fact that we know Russell's mobility is still there, mm-hmm. watching them, watching them trying to operate in the pocket, watching the plays that is designed, um, a lot of movement. Um, you watched at the start of the game, I think in the first quarter, he did not have a throw to his wide receivers. He right, just, weird, right? Using the tight ends, using the backs. Um, a little weird. I'm going to go back and watch it later on again this week, you know, try to see who the first read is on some of these plays, where his head is looking and things like that. But he's what ready, willing, and able to disperse the ball. And yeah. that's amazing. And that's what we need here in Broncos country. We need a quarterback that's not going to lock in on one position. It's going to get everybody involved and throw the ball to the open guy. And, and that was the silver lining coming out of this game. The fact that we do know that we have a guy that could go for 300 plus each and every week and the run game also looked well also. So lots of things to, to be happy about this morning. Sure. I want to ask you about the run game. It seemed like, especially in the third quarter and big uh, chunks of the fourth quarter, we saw a lot of Melvin Gordon. If you look at Javante's stats, it's kind of weird because it seemed like he had the ball in his hands a lot. He only had seven carries, but I think he had 11 catches whereas uh, Melvin had 12 uh, carries in that game. Do you think that was a good split between the backs, or do you think it was a little bit too much, Melvin? I think it's ridiculous. Let's, let's let Javante prove himself. Let's Thank let you. Let's let Javante get the opportunity to feel what a bell cow feels like. And, you know, when you look at the catching, that's what, I kind of thought it was going to be opposite. I thought, Me too. I thought that Melvin was going to be out there for passing situations. Melvin was going to be out there to protect the football, but, but also get out in the route. Where Javante was going to be more of the bell cow. And as far as handing Javante the ball. So I, I thought that that was how it was going to go. I was really shocked that that wasn't the case last night because that, that was interesting. And Javante's a young back, and yeah, I know he fumbled, and yeah, I know he's not going to do everything perfect. But man, when he gets the ball, it's scary. Guys yep. don't want to tackle him. Mm-mm. I saw number 27, the, the rookie corner for them, try to go make a tackle on, on Javante, and Javante got the best of him. 27 had to come out the game, right? And you, and you won that. He was stuff. talking about that on the sideline. Did you see him? 
He's yeah. like the freight train came. Yeah, especially in a, in a fourth and five situation. You you keep you allow him to get more carries. Mm-hmm. I promise you, guys are turning that down. They're not Seattle's not as aggressive at the end of that football game. They're looking around and saying, "Man, I don't want to tackle thirty three because he's been giving us body blows all game." Right. The other thing on that, like I, yesterday, Billy Turner wasn't playing and you actually broke the news here in Denver about that. I really watched Cam Fleming a lot yesterday and I felt like uh, he filled in pretty nicely. What'd you think? Yeah, um, good, in the, good in the passing game. Um, some run game issues that he's going to have to clean up, but as expected, hasn't taken a lot of reps with um, Quinton Miners. So I thought he struggled early with Quinton Miners. But what was good, and it's so crappy that I'm getting ready to say this because this is never good. Right. Is what really benefited the Broncos yesterday is that Quentin Miners got the hamstring injury and yeah. Graham Glasgow had to go in there because Cam Fleming and Graham Glasgow, they've built up a nice rapport. They've been practicing all preseason, well, all the training camp since Cam Fleming has got here mm-hmm. together. So that actually worked out in the Broncos' benefit yesterday. The other thing, and we talked about it, and you and a lot of the other uh, NFL former Broncos talked about how soft, uh, I don't know if that's too strong a word, how how easy training camp was this year. And on the defensive side of the ball, Geno just looked like he was fixing to get ready to go to Pro Bowls. And in the first half, the defense just, there were holes everywhere. Second half, they seemed to clean it up. Was it because finally the defense had got their preseason reps under their belt in the first half of that game? Oh, oh they were able to settle down, right? Yeah. Um, so a uh, combination of a, a lot of things. Um, combination of a lot of things, Chris. Um, the fact that you're able to adjust at, mm-hmm. at halftime. You know, you're able to make some halftime adjustments. I, I thought Isaiah broke did a, a heck of a job adjusting at halftime. And also getting out of these um, split plays defensively where you could have corners playing man-to-man, but then you have your linebackers playing zone. Yeah. Or you have your – or vice versa. You know, the Broncos could do well in that scheme. Corners playing man, corners and defensive backs playing man, linebackers dropping back into like a fire zone type of thing. The Broncos will do good doing running that system. It's the opposite way around that doesn't work. When right. you have your linebackers playing man-to-man and now your corners play, and your defensive backs playing zone because we just do not have in our base personnel, we do not have linebackers that could really cover tight ends one-on-one. Right. You know, if they go to their dime package and they bring in a guy like uh, Justin Sternat, more of a fast, speedy guy out of Lake Forest, now that could combat that where you could put him in a little bit more man-to-man coverage. But just in their Broncos base personnel defense, uh, you know, you opened up a can of worms last night. You, you showed that you are susceptible to having the tight end go out there and have a big day against mm-hmm. you. And everyone used to that. correct that at halftime. So he showed it early, and but he was able to correct it. So look for the Broncos to run a little bit more zone out of their inside linebackers versus man, what we saw early in the game yesterday. I think I noticed that, too, because I thought Patrick Sertan did a great job on DK Metcalf yesterday. But early in the game, he was playing way off. And that's where Gina was making some hay. It was, you know, two, three, four yards at a pop, just throwing it outside to DK. 
Yeah, yeah, because earlier in the game, they had the DBs playing more of a zone and the linebackers playing more man. And then what you saw was they flipped that at the second half and put the corners and the DBs into more of a man protection. And then they would drop the linebackers in the middle of the field and, and go a little bit more zone. It felt like uh, Patrick Sertan, they kept talking about how big he was. I think DK got only one of those big old stiff arms he likes to throw out on Patrick Sertan, but the freaking Broncos rallied to the ball. I thought he played great. And Sertan did a heck of a job, even with that one stiff arm. Sertan did Uh a heck of a job breaking it down. And, you know, obviously you got the stack monsters coming from the inside, the defensive linemen and the linebackers, they're trailing outside and and they're rallying to make that tackle. You know, I thought that that was the most encouraging thing with this defense. Well, two things were very encouraging with this defense. The fact that for no preseason, these guys went out there, they, they ran their butts off. They played sure. their asses off. You know, for no preseason, you're expecting guys to be tired. You're expecting guys to be winded. I, I thought that this team looked like they were very well conditioned yesterday. And um, Chubb, you know, I said it last week, 14 sacks this year. Well, he got two last night. So yeah. he's on his way, right? And that's a big time, a big time moment where, you know, for a long time of that game, the Broncos defense wasn't able to get pressure. So I was glad to see Chubb come up in big time moments. And Chubb had to play the game, got the got got um, Seattle off the field in the fourth quarter and gave the ball back to the offense. And you can't ask for more than that. You know, I thought the defense did their part, even though. Gino did look good and Gino was able to have completions and Gino was able to move the ball. I did think the defense held their own once they settled it. Yeah. Second half was good. Randy Gregory was on a pitch count. Did you see anything from him last night that you like? Um, just wrap up, you know, wrap ups. Let's stop going for the highlight tape. You know, you're, you're running around like this, the program and you're in the middle linebacker. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very encouraged with Randy Gregory's ability. I, I thought that that looked great. I love the fact that that Everett was flip-flopping them, putting Gregory and Chubb on both sides and letting them get after the quarterback and get after these defensive t- offensive tackles and show them different things. Um, I, I, I hope that as the season goes on, that he'll be on a little less of a pitch count because Baron Browner did absolutely nothing last night in the pass rush game. So hopefully as, as Gregory gets more and more comfortable that he's started to play more to like 80% of the snaps just on the Baron Brown and not being uh, productive right now early in the season at the outside linebacker position. I think the also the biggest thing, especially in the first half where all the penalties the Broncos had, they had a total of 12 penalties for 106. Browning got called for a taunting, which was maybe a little ticky-tack, but they just need to clean that stuff up. No, um, Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. Yeah, Cooper, sorry, um, yeah. Taunting, um, yeah, it's like, come on, Cooper. I feel like you've been there before. Sure. You know, I know you don't play a lot of snaps. I know you just made a big play, but, man, get up and go celebrate with your teammates. Yep. Get up and do that to your teammate. You don't hurt your football team in that situation. And that's a young guy making a young mistake where he's excited and it's a big time playing on prime time. But come on, there's no need for that. That hurt this football team. And, you know, for me, you know, when I was playing, we would have a little fine jar in the offensive line room and you got to add some money in the kitty. You know, you got to put it in for the Vegas fund for something like that because you hurt the football team. Big so at least act like he's uh, he's been there in, in that situation and, and not get that penalty. Uh, Randy Gregory had that kind of that unnecessary roughness. Yeah. Hit, 
like towards the head where he wasn't tackling. He didn't go in there and try to tackle, try to make a highlight tape. Uh, he had that. Um, Bradley Chubb also had our unnecessary roughness on Gino and Bradley. I, I get it. You're trying to give the body blows, but you have to pull up in that sure. situation. So, you know, some boneheaded mistakes that really hurt this football team. But, you know, not worried. Not worried about this defense. This defense right. would be a really, really good defense. You know, we saw both offensively, defensively, we saw the struggles for a lack of preseason, lack of getting after it. And this team's going to be fine. Um, where I'm a little bit more concerned is special teams. Thought it was going to be yeah. better. You know, Montreal Washington needs to understand it's not Sanford. This is not. Like, this yeah. is the NFL. It's one cut. Put your foot in the ground and go. Like, you looked great in the preseason, and you were breaking tackles and things like that, but all of a sudden you go in on Monday night, the whole world is watching, and I know I have doubts in my mind. I thought we had special teams figured out, and he just opened it up, and if I have doubts in my mind, 31 other teams in the NFL are looking and saying the Broncos did not get better at special teams. That's the thing definitively yesterday that I could say, man, they didn't take a step forward like we thought. Defensively, I can tell you and I can identify parts of the game where I'm saying, man, this defense is going to be better. This team is going to be encouraging. Offensively, you know that we're encouraged with this offense, right? You've got to work on the time and there's things that there was kinks that they got to work out. We knew that going into this season, it was going to be sloppy. It was going to be ugly at the start of the year. But still, Russ had a 300-yard plus of the day, no interceptions. You saw some really good things, right? Yeah. You know, he's able to connect with him and Cortland. You know, Russ knows where to go with the ball. He's able to manipulate coverage. He's able to get those shots in the end zone. Encourage it. Special teams was the one thing I was like, eh, did they really get better? Right. Montreal Washington, really the guy? It doesn't look like it. And maybe that's a personnel thing that they got to clean up or whatever the case may be. Or maybe Seattle is just really, really good on special teams because historically they've been that. And right. you know that that's how Pete Carroll wins football games. But the Broncos did not look good in special teams yesterday. One room that looked good, and I'm going to give you some more credit. You nailed this. Talking about how Russell Wilson and the, this Nathaniel Hackett offense, they're really heavy on the tight ends. And I was getting text messages about Beck and all them. And they're like, who are all these guys? I go, Beck's been on the team for a while. Don't worry about okay. it. He's been in there. But I think the tight ends played well yesterday especially as the game went on as in the in the passing game how do you feel like they did in the blocking game i'm um, really good you know um well you they started eric thomason and eric Sobert Sobert at, at, at the tight end spot albert o didn't actually get in the game until the, i think around the, the a couple plays into the first series or the second series but they started with uh Sobert and, and thomason that's what we kind of thought Right. And that's unfortunate for this team. And that's why Alvaro has to get going in the run blocking game because you're, you're really tipping your hand when he's not out there and you see what he's able to do with his athletic ability, goes and gets that big first down. Yeah, great stretch. Stretches out. You know, he's a big physical guy. He needs to be physical in the run game so he's not tipping the hand to defenses. And when he's on the sideline, and your defenses are going to think more of a rundown situation. So he needs to get better in that aspect. Um, Beck, Andrew Beck, I thought he had a heck of a game. You know, yeah, he did. I, I thought he's embracing his role, that that fullback position, that H-back, that hybrid, whatever you kind of want to call it. But I thought Beck was a pleasant surprise, you know, um, 
and this tight end room, this tight end room is going to be good. You just got to get guys to come along the way, you know. Um, but I, I saw no issues with the tight ends yesterday, and I was very pleased with them. The other thing you said about that was, I remember one show, you're like, all right, name uh, Russ's third wide receiver in Seattle. Well, K.J. Hamler was 0 for 0. Yeah, overall, and I'll be interested to see how many plays he played last night. Probably right. played maybe 10 at the max, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you live in this two tight end set. You live out there with two wide receivers, and if you're the third wide receiver, you're probably going to play at, at a ceiling about 30% of the plays for the Broncos this year. So K.J. Hamler is not going to get a lot of opportunities. Um, yeah, overall, you want to see the Broncos try to utilize his speed a little bit more. You know, I was sure. hoping that he was going to be able to kind of manipulate some coverage for this offense a little bit better. Um, I'll, like I said, I'll go back and rewatch it again today, tonight, late tonight, and I'll watch the coach's copy at that. So I could kind of look at the coverages and kind of look at if he was creating separation or, or just kind of putting the fear of God in these defensive backs because that's what we need him to do this year to really be an explosive offense. And he did get that uh, pass interference penalty when Russ threw a deep at him and the the DB was holding on because he knew uh, KJ was going to run right by him. So, you know, that was a little bit of like, okay, they understand the speed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So that's encouraging. Anytime one's out there, you're going to know he could absolutely fly and take the top off. And if he's able to kind of stem in his route and get that DB to hesitate with the speed, he's going to blow right past you every single time. And you're going to have to hold him or you're going to have to legal contact him or whatever you want to call it. There's so many different rules now in the passing game. You know, back in the day, it was only passing interference, right? Right. But um, now you got to be politically correct with these terms. But um, KJ is going to be able to do some great things for this team this year. And try to just, you know, his job is to keep the defensive coordinators up late at night. His job right. are, are to make, you know, a safety have some restless nights where if you're wrong with your eyes, he has that big playmaker ability. I guess uh, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show. What's your grade for Nathaniel Hackett game day week one? You know, I got to give him a C minus. You know, everything wasn't terrible. He's going to pass because this offense looks better. He's going to pass because this team looks better. He's going to pass because there was great halftime adjustments. Sure. He's going to get a passing grade because it made Broncos football exciting again. It, it doesn't look like, man, why the heck are we doing this? He's going to pass because, you know, every run has a play action that comes off of it. You know, but he's also going to have a low grade because you took the ball out of your quarterback's hands in, 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 with a fourth and five situation. You're going to have a low grade because of sending the plays in late and the fact that the Broncos looked like they were under duress at the line of scrimmage. He's going to, you know, that grade is going to be affected because the fact like, hey, how about we go in under center when we're at the goal line and make it look like it's hard run? Oh, you know, you're doing a little bit too much. His grade's going to be affected by the fact of doing a little bit too much in a hostile environment. You want to get cute and have check with me plays and call two plays in the huddle. Um, yeah, let's do that in Denver. Or how about this? Let's have some of our starters play in the preseason games so we can work out some of those kinks that we know are going to come with those check with me type of plays. So that's why his grade is affected. But yeah, I give him a, a solid C minus. You know, not great, not nothing to brag at home to mom about, but you passed. Right. You know, and it's a bummer they lost the game, but I still have faith in him because like you, I'm like, okay, I haven't seen an offense like this in Denver since uh, 
I mean, obviously it wasn't as good as Peyton, but it looked a little bit creative and a lot of stuff going on. Um, we're going to do another show heading into the Texans. Broncos have a short week. Uh, Texans are feeling great about themselves. They tied that that Colts team. God knows how. Uh, it is a short week. Oh, when you have a short week like that, do you think it might be a good thing that they have a short week since the Broncos are coming off that loss? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, hey, let's forget about it. I, I think there's good and bad to it, right? I mean, it's kind of like, let's forget about it, but you get less opportunities to correct it. Even though you have a short week for the players, you know, those guys will probably be off today so they can lick their wounds and, and everybody's fully expected to go into that facility and get treatment and rehab and make sure they're healthy and ready to roll on, come Wednesday. But um, this team needs to make some corrections, you know, and, and make their corrections fast because you, you got to win the winnable game. Sure. You know, this team reminded me of last night, honestly, and it's a completely different sport. It reminded me of the Denver Nuggets. And, <laughs> when, you know, you got a guy like Nikola Jokic, and all of a sudden you play the Orlando Magics, and you're saying, you know, Nikola should play 22 to 25 minutes tonight. But then at the end of that game, he's played 33 because you didn't put the team to bed. You didn't right. put them away early. You didn't take care of your business. That's why he had to play those 33 minutes. Yeah, it looked great with the win if you're the Nuggets, and the Broncos would have looked great last night with the win as well, but you got to take care of the winnable games. You cannot hurt yourself, and the Broncos hurted themselves last night. For sure. You got any parting shots to put this uh, Seahawks game to bed? Um, Parting shots to put the Seahawks game to bed. You know, if you're in Broncos country, I, I would be encouraged to understand that this offense is going to be explosive. You know, if you're in Broncos country, Hopefully, you're hoping and praying like me that they figure it out with Javante Williams. And you got a nice one-two punch with these running backs. Um, be happy that Russell Wilson is here because he's going to be able to win a lot of football games. And, and hopefully, this team's able to learn from their mistakes because on fourth and five, you put the ball in the guy that makes the second highest check a year in the NFL, and that's Russell Wilson. So I'm efforting getting some of the Texans uh – guys on our next podcast hopefully we can make that happen that would be a fun thing to start this season so anyway good stuff big o i'm feeling you know what i'm bummed they lost but there's vic fangio is gone it feels like we are in a modern era of football and that makes me encouraged 100 percent yeah absolutely um yeah man it's it's really encouraging just kind of Looking at this, right, it doesn't, it doesn't look the same. I know it was a bad result, but I, I know I'm encouraged. I, and I hope Bronco country is as well because I truly believe that this offense is going to be explosive. I truly believe that this defense is going to be pretty solid, you know. Right. Um, and, you know, George Payton is always looking to get better. So maybe we do go get an inside linebacker. Mm -hmm. It could be a three-down guy and better in the coverage for us because that would be a huge help for this team. That'd be a big help. That's Orlando Franklin. You can listen to him on 104.3 The Fan, 6 to 9 p.m. with his partner, Cecil. Follow him on social media, OFranklin74. If you want to follow me, it's at Chris Braden Live. Good stuff, O, and I will talk to you in a couple of days, bud. Hey, thanks, Chris. Enjoy your week. Have no fear, Bronco Country. We Keep the faith, Broncos Country. It's all good. Exactly. We will be fine. <laughs> Relax, right? Relax. Exactly. Relax. <laughs> Good stuff, oh. Thanks, Chris. Yep.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.